Hey, welcome to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're tuning in for the first time, basically what you need to know is that this podcast is meant for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are looking to review the fundamentals, but also do it concisely so you've got time to do whatever else you need to do, whether it's hanging out with your loved ones, picking up some hobbies, having a life outside of work. We are all about that here. And so for today, basically today we're going to talk about the shoulder. And I know I pulled Instagram of maybe a week ago or so just to see like, hey, what do you guys want to go over? And there were several of you that wanted to go over shoulder special tests. And that in itself is a monster. And so we're going to kind of break it up a little bit, but because there are so many of them and in all honesty, shoulder special tests kind of come under fire a little bit because it is really hard for us to be able to isolate a certain structure with a shoulder special test. And so I think sometimes we get hung up on, oh my goodness, there's like 70 million bajillion tests out there. Which one do I do to roll a diagnosis in or out? And something that is important is, you know, a special test is just kind of helping you confirm a pathology. But keep in mind, like for instance, if we're testing the supraspinatus, a lot of our tests, we're also compressing the bursa, or it is very hard to isolate a structure. And so even with these special tests, a lot of times you'll see in research, they're split into clusters where you're not doing one in isolation. You're looking at them all together. I think the biggest thing to look at is, okay, you need to form a working hypothesis based on what the patient is telling you, what their mechanism of injury was, um, their subjective data. You know, you're looking at their active range of motion, passive range of motion, neurological assessment if necessary, uh, testing their muscle testing. Um, this is all what is being used to form a hypothesis so that then you can do a special test to try and come up with the best hypothesis possible. Because special tests are for special moments and you don't want to just inflict pain on your patient and just get a bunch of false positives. But Another thing too, think about special tests and why a positive test, which is often like reproduction of their symptoms or pain, is positive. What are you testing? Like take a step back and look at it. Is it, is it muscular? Is it passive structure? You know, is it coming from somewhere else? Because if you can't reproduce their symptoms, that's a good indication, right? So please keep that in mind. We're going to cover more special tests in the future, but for today, I think it's more important to start with the beginning of that process, which is forming your working hypothesis in the first place, because there's a lot of signs and symptoms that a patient will complain of um, that help us to get to that step of deciding what may be special tests or measures that we want to look at. Okay, so when we are doing this, we are trying to form pattern recognition for our work diagnosis. So something you'll see a lot of in research is they're looking at pretest probability, which is the likeliness that a patient who has a certain pathology has it before you even do any clinical exams. And so forming these working hypotheses for the shoulder specifically, we often split it up into three categories. So you'll look at rotator cuff pathologies, extraarticular pathologies, and intraarticular pathologies. So for the rotator cuff, okay we're looking at is the rotator cuff impinged is it impingement syndrome or is there a tear and then for extra articular pathology we're looking 
outside of the joint itself, we're looking to see if their pain's coming from the acromioclavicular joint. Is it coming from the long head of the biceps? Or is that pain coming from referral elsewhere, like in the neck or something like that? For intra-articular pathology, this is when we're looking at anterior capsule labral instability, posterior capsule labral instability or lesions. Do they have a Bankart lesion? Do they have a slap lesion? Or is there some sort of intra-articular impingement syndrome going on? Okay, so look at the muscles, look outside the joint, look inside the joint. Now, in this Again, in this episode, we're covering more so what a patient may complain of, like their history. So where might they fit out of these three categories? We're not ruling in too early because obviously you might miss something, but you need to see, okay, what fits in what bucket so that by the end of it, I have the best working hypothesis possible. So if we're trying to decide, okay, if we're looking at rotator cuff, do they have a rotator cuff tendinopathy or subacromial impingement syndrome? A lot of times these patients are going to have anterior or lateral pain. It hurts when they bring their arm overhead. Um, they might have a painful arc or some night pain. But take it one step farther, if they have a rotator cuff tear, they're still going to have that anterior lateral pain. But now with the muscles being torn, they might have some compensatory shoulder shrugging when they bring their arm overhead. Um, gross functional disabilities, constant achiness, night pain, might even wake them up while they're sleeping. And typically this patient's going to be 40 years or older. Now, if we're looking at the articular-sided internal impingement of the rotator cuff, it's going to be more so like a specific posterior superior pain when they bring their shoulder into abduction and external rotation. So think about like if they have pain with when they're throwing or swinging during that eccentric deceleration of their arm. Okay. So when we're looking outside, like extra articular pathology, if we're suspecting maybe they have long head biceps tendinopathy, they're also going to have some anterior pain. They might be painful to palpation if you touch it. Activities when they are throwing, they're swinging, and they're trying to control that eccentric deceleration of upper extremities is not going to feel good. And then also, if you're loading the biceps tendon, like if you're muscle testing that, it's not going to feel good, especially if you bring them up into shoulder flexion and supination. We also have a chromioclavicular joint lesion. So let's say they've got superior joint pain. They might more so have pain with in-range elevation activities where we're starting to actually compress that joint. Um, the joint itself is going to hurt. And they may even have like a little bit of a step off on their AC joint when you look at it, plus a history of maybe a fall on the shoulder. That was their mechanism of injury. And then, of course, we also mentioned, is it referral from somewhere else? So if you can't reproduce it at the shoulder, but you can reproduce it somewhere else, that's probably a good indication that it's coming from somewhere else. Okay. Um, also important to keep in mind your uh, referral pain patterns for more visceral origin. So if we're looking at things that we think are going on inside the joint, we're looking at intraarticular pathologies, right? So there's some overlap with these, right? You've probably caught on so far, but if we're looking at like anterior capsule labral instability or anterior labral lesions or Bankart lesions, you're looking at more so anterior pain. They might have apprehension or like be worried about putting their arm in abduction and external rotation, or they, that might be painful for them. They, these patients might even in their history talk about, oh, I had an anterior inferior trauma or 
They might talk about joint clicking and clunking or have recurrent or volitional interior inferior subluxations or dislocations. So our patients who like to pop their arm out of place like a party trick. Um, and then they might even have a history of like, quote unquote, dead arm syndrome. So for posterior capsule labral instability or labral lesions, they're going to talk about deep posterior pain. And then the, the movements that give them more apprehension or pain, it's going to be more like horizontal adduction. Um, so they're not going to like things like push-up activities, closed chain activities, especially if you add horizontal adduction to them. They might have a history of posterior inferior trauma um, or also have, again, recurrent or volitional posterior inferior subluxations or dislocations, along with that joint clicking and clunking. And then last but not least, for like a slap tear, they're going to have deep shoulder pain as well, some clicking and clunking. Their joint might have some locking in it. And then they're going to have pain with activities of eccentric deceleration in their upper extremity with, again, things like throwing and swinging, plus some pain with loading the biceps muscle, especially with shoulder flexion and arm supination. You might notice that there's a lot of overlap with a lot of these symptoms, and the reason why is, you know, as you're starting to form your working hypotheses, you're not meant to narrow it down right away. These are things that you're catching and you should have several differential diagnoses in your head of things that you're thinking about on, okay, is it this or this? But as you're performing your exam, you're trying to see, okay, which one makes the most sense given the patient in front of me, the type of pain that they're having and then trying to confirm it the best that you can with other tests. So things that you should think about are not more so memorizing, okay, these are the symptoms, but just think about why this is happening. So is it something that involves the biceps? Well, maybe the biceps are going to hurt when you use it. Or is it pain in the anterior portion of their shoulder? Well, okay, what are the structures of that are there in the anterior shoulder? These are all things that are meant to be more so logical with your clinical reasoning. So as you're studying these, keep that in mind because that will help you to make a better clinical decision on where your patient is, on what's going on with your patient so that you know how best to treat them, as in what structures to be treating. So hopefully that makes sense. These are, again, things that we see commonly in the shoulder. Um, we will follow up in the future for more on, okay, what next to do with the shoulder, but you've got to at least have some idea of what might be going on first or else you're going to be testing every special test there are and your patients are going to hate you and you're going to have no information because a lot of these tests are kind of icky. So if you have any questions, let me know. You can email me at ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at ptsnackspodcast. Um, otherwise, if you like the show and you haven't already, go ahead and hit subscribe or follow so that you don't miss any in the future. And if you really like it, either tell one other person about it that you think would benefit from it or write a review. That really helps me out as well. Um, and if you want to support monetarily, there's a link below for buy me a coffee. Um, so every little bit counts to help me with my overhead, make sure that I'm putting out good evidence-based content. But otherwise, I hope you guys learned something. Let me know if you have questions and I hope you have a great rest of your day.